Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting adventure of the Bearded Levites podcast. I am your co-host, Jeremy, and uh, with me always is my good friend, Taylor. I'm here. Taylor Johnson. Good to be with you today. Uh, today, we're uh, we're kind of, uh, we're continuing on in, uh, I guess, what's kind of been a series. Although I don't think we intended it to be a series. It's kind of started to be a series. Um, I mean, and I, we're kind of talking kind of through the liturgical year, what that looks like. It was really kind of Taylor's idea, I guess. He kind of said, hey, let's do this. I was like, cool. And then it just kind of spawned into this. It's kind of a fun uh, couple of discussions so far. But today we're talking about this thing called Lent. And uh, I'm going to have Taylor kind of walk us through it and what that looks like. Kind of some definitions, what it is. And uh, as we talk about it, I'll just say first for me, and I've said this a number of times, but I have I didn't grow up in stri- in a strict liturgical calendaring church. That's just not, I didn't do, you know, I grew up Southern Baptist and we didn't do those kind of things. So we, particularly when we get to Lent and you're talking about Lent, this was something that was kind of, uh, it was kind of a joke. It was kind of like, cause it was always like, well, the only time you mentioned Lent was if it was something like, oh yeah, you know, I gave that up for Lent, you know, ha ha ha. That, that's, that's pretty much the, the brunt of it. We never had any other discussions? Because I was kind of like Lent is kind of what the Catholics do, so that's not going to apply to us, right? So, uh, but as I as I grew and as I got into uh, into seminary and learned more about the liturgical calendar, I fell in love with with this idea and uh, and and all it represents. So, um, Taylor, today as we talk, kind of talk us through it, man. What does Lent look like? And uh, and and tell us all about it. Yeah, yeah. I also think it's funny. Like I didn't grow up with any of this either. Uh, contrary to what it might look like and feel like given that I talk about liturgy and this kind of stuff all the time, I I didn't grow up with any of this. Um, We barely did at Easter and Christmas. Uh, I grew up in a non-denominational church, pretty conservative non-denominational church that felt Baptist-y, but I think would even make the Southern Baptists look progressive. And I, I didn't even know that like, oh, would you give up for Lent? Like I, that, that wasn't even in my vernacular at all. Didn't know that existed. Didn't know that was a thing people did. It wasn't until I got to graduate school in Lubbock when I was a staff singer at St. Paul's on the Plains Episcopal Church that we got to the spring semester and they started talking about Lent and Lenten services and stuff. And I was just so confused. I didn't know you could spell it L-E-N-T. I'd only ever known it as L-I-N-T. <laughs> and I didn't know why my church cared about what comes out of my dryer or also my pockets or even my belly button. Like, <laughs> why does this yeah. matter? What is happening? Like, yeah. why are, are we, we talking, talking about this? Right. And then I then it like then we did it for a year and it made sense. Like, I get it now. Um, but yeah, I love Lent. Um the preparatory seasons are my favorite Advent and Lent. Those are the ones I like the best. Um, but yeah, so Lent is, um, so there's just kind of run down like the fact sheet of Lent. It is 40 days, not counting Sundays. And it's that time period that leads to Easter. Lent is the preparatory season for Easter. Um, we've talked before about how each season has a color associated with it, Lent is purple. The preparatory seasons are purple. So Advent is purple and Lent is purple. Um, And it's historically like a season of 
reflection, self-examination, confession is another big one. Fasting is a big Lenten practice. Um, Like the crux of Lent is really to kind of take a good hard look at yourself and see where you have fallen short. What are the things you do? What are the things that you haven't done? What are the things you do that cause you to not be the person you should be? And then what are the things you're not doing that you know would help you be the kind of person you should be? Like, look at yourself, be honest with yourself and own those things in Lent. Historically, Easter was the baptism day for the church. Like that's like everybody got baptized on Easter, more or less. Uh, all my professors are hearing this going, ah. I was like, no, I know it's just, <laughs> we don't need to get into it in, in an episode. There were other days. I get it. Uh, we referenced that a little bit in the epiphany episode, but Easter was like by and large, the big one, the main one. Well, even, uh, even now I'd say you see that a lot, even with churches that Easter is like people will like churches will do their big, they'll just do baptism days. Yeah. You know, on Easter or Easter night, you know, or something like that. Have those special big, they reserve all their, you know, all their baptisms for the last six months or whatever they put into that day. That's a holdover of this. Like Easter was the day. Um, And it was a big, there was a vigil leading up to it. And then you got baptized at like, like early, early, early Easter morning. Like there's, there's all kinds of stuff that went into this. And Lent was that last preparation fasting phase a really like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, right. Take a look at yourself. Take a look at what this is going to entail, what this is going to involve. We're in the home stretch now. We're in this period of fasting and uh, reflection and penance. Like, are you down? Are you in? <laughs> and if their answer all the way in, if it was like, yes, I am. Cool. Well, strip down naked, walk through that water. <laughs> uh, you're going to come out. We're going to give you a candle and a robe. Which, you know, it's totally what everybody does now for baptism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, things things have grown and changed a little bit, obviously, right. as, as this goes. <laughs> but, like you said, like, the one thing you really associate with Lent is fasting. Like, what is the yeah. thing you're giving up? And that's arguably what people do in Lent still, is you give something up for Lent. Yeah. And I've... Good Lord, over the years, I've given up, I don't know, TV's always a big one. I've given up video games. I've given up, uh, I gave up meat one year. That that, that, that was an, an interesting Man. one. Yeah, yeah, I gave up meat. Shockingly, not as terrible as I thought it would be. And I I've have come to realize that they're known for this a little bit. I didn't know it at the time, though. You know what I ate all the time in that Lent? I gave up meat. I ate at Taco Bell. <laughs> All the time. A bean burrito, no onion, extra yeah. red sauce, add potato. And oh, it was like, yeah. It was like $2, and it comes out the size of my forearm. Man. Um, and it was filling. Yeah, I weirdly yeah. enough, I ate a ton of Taco Bell. Uh, I thought you were going to say, because, you know, Taco Bell's not real meat. <laughs> well, yeah, no. There's also that, but not even like meat or the idea of meat. I just didn't eat yeah. any of it. Yeah, it, it, it was super weird. I didn't, I didn't see that coming, but like for 40 days, I ate a lot of bean burrito. Yeah. It was the fartiest Lent I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's still what so many people do for Lent is yeah. they give something up. Chocolate is a huge one. 
Um, soda is, I think the one I hear more than any other. It's like, this is my time to kickstart some kind of diet. Right. I'll I'll use Lent as, as my my, like impetus to do that. Right. Yeah. And I I did that one year with soda was, you know, in, in previous, I'd say probably eight or nine years ago, uh, our whole church did a, it was like a Lenten challenge. And so they did a, you know, choose if you, if you, so, you know, we want to encourage everybody to do it, but if you do, you know, choose what you feel uh, the Lord has laid on your heart. And so people give up other, you know, tons of other stuff, but mine was specifically uh, mine was soda. And uh, man, it was, um, it was cool. Cause we also did, um, we also did, uh, also did several camps that year, like during that season. And uh, I remember thinking how badly I needed like, cause it was, it was during, uh, like D now season, you know, uh, for youth groups. And so we were doing D now or retreats and things. And it was like week after week, I had something and it was so hard. Cause I was like, I really just need a soda right now. Like, right. Yeah. So like, you know, but the idea being there, we're not just giving it up just to better our bodies. You know, if you're, if you're giving up food and those kind of things, you're giving it up for a focus, you know, you're yes. giving it up for a betterment of, of a reflection um, for, to better reflect upon who I am um, and not just who I am, but, but who I am in, in light of who Christ is. Right. Yeah. And really like um, who I'm supposed to be. Right. Like, yeah. There should yeah, yeah. be an idea of some motion, some progress, some growth in that. I'm so glad you said that. That was going to be one of the biggest points I wanted to talk about in regards to fasting was like the fasting is not the point. Right. It is a means to an end. I remember very distinctly in college, a friend of mine um, gave up, I believe it was cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper from Sonic. Yeah. Like very specifically, that was her jam. And that's what she gave up. And for 40 days, all we heard about was how bad she wanted a cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper. (laughs) I think she even like drew one, like a little Sonic cup on a calendar and was like scratching off days to get there. Yeah, to get there. (laughs) Got there and just went, did it. And then just like took a bath in one. Like (laughs) just went hog wild on a cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper, which completely Um, missed the point. Like the point wasn't don't drink it for a while and then drink it again. You give something up in order to create space. Right. There is now a gap. There's a vacuum in your day-to-day life. And as we all know, the great cliche, like nature abhors a vacuum. Something is going to fill that space. Right. What's it going to be? And so it's an opportunity to, in that space, create something better. Yeah. When you want a soda. Okay. I, 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 ooh, <laughs> ping, I feel it. I want it. I need the boost. I need the sweet. Yeah. I need the, I need the bubbles, whatever, whatever, whatever it is about it. Now it's a chance to pray or actively like have a moment, even like a little mini ritual of like, okay, instead of that, I'm going to have a glass of water. And in that moment, I'm going to give thanks for the chance to be like, it is now yeah. a chance to like crystallize a little bit more focus on better new newness of life because Lent doesn't exist on its own. It's not just this random, like two months in the (laughs) summer. And then you just go back to your regularly scheduled programming. Like it leads to Easter. Right. And so like newness of life, resurrection is the point it's getting you there. And so by fasting of this thing that is not giving you life, 
to say it in the most like hip way possible. It's a moment to find a way to engage that newer, deeper, better life. There's gotta be something new there, which is also why I've seen, and I've encouraged a lot of people to do this too. Instead of fasting for Lent, you add a practice for Lent. Like you add now a consistent prayer time where you add like you're going to do a little finger labyrinth or walk a labyrinth. If you're lucky enough to have one nearby, like twice a week or so, like or you're going to read an extra chapter of scripture a day for the next 40 days. Like you want to do those things, Uh, which in and of itself requires some kind of fasting because you don't now get 24 and a half hours in a day. Like just because it's Lent, like the world doesn't slow down enough to give you extra time to do that thing. Like you right. have to fast of something right? in order to add that new practice. So fasting gets baked in kind of whichever way you, you choose to go on that, but it's to, it's to help you be better. It's not just to wallow in your own failure. Yeah. Uh, which so often I think that's where people get hesitant about Lent. One, I think you're spot on. Like that's what the Catholics do, uh, <laughs> which might be one of my least favorite sentences ever. Just because, like, okay, they can have good ideas. Like, yeah, that's right. Because that's, at that's one right. point yeah, right. during the Reformation, we looked at that and went, hey, we don't love what y'all are doing right now. We're going to do our own thing now. Doesn't mean that we all can't circle back later and be like, hey, you know what? A lot of that's actually still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm fine being over here. Like, I'm, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying I, I need to go to Rome or anything, but like, I like the cut of your jib, though. Like, yeah. It, yeah, it's yeah, okay. <laughs> like, it can be fine. I got a buddy who says, who says, you know, there will be Catholics in heaven too. Mm -hmm. Uh, His his joke is there are Catholics who love Jesus and follow him too. Like, he's like, it's not, you know, I mean, he's, he, he makes it very tongue in cheek, but his, his whole point being that, you know what, it's not, it's not a cult. They're not, you know, they're not, (laughs) they're not, they're just doing their own thing. I've had so many people ask me like, well, I kind of want to go out with this person, but they're Catholic. Like, how do you feel about that faith? You mean Christianity? I think it's fine. <laughs> so that's right. That's yeah, I think it's great. I I am a Christian minister. I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, we don't, we're not like censoring out incense as we come down. Right. But you know what? I hang out with a lot of people that do in the summer and they're also still not Catholic. Like, that's right. it's just a different flavor. But, but yeah. And so I, I think there's still that like anti-Catholic sentiment and also just like Catholic uh, suspicion, just like mm, we don't do that. Isn't there a reason we don't do that? When that's not the reason, like we split in the Reformation, all that kind of stuff. They just right. kind of got caught up in the mix. But then also, um, because it is so focused on the idea of confession, I think confession makes a lot of Protestants, ner- especially more evangelical or post evangelical Protestants, nervous. Yeah. And it can just feel so heavy and it can feel so sad and it can feel so. Like I'm the worst. I'm just like the whole point is to sit here and enumerate all the reasons why I suck. Like, <laughs> cool. I get to do that for 40 days. Like my life is rough enough as it is. Like I don't, I, I don't need to just wallow in it for six weeks, but that's when Lent I think has lost the plot. Mm. It's never just to just like beat on yourself, self-flagellate and just be like, Oh my God. Like, Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner, because I'm the worst. I'm so horrible. I, I fail. I fail. I fail all day long. It's to look at it and go like, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
and by the power of your Holy Spirit, help me to be better. Like it's that's that that's the move. That's the move. And when that gets lost, well, then yeah, Lent's the worst. Yeah. Um, it's just awful, but it's never supposed to be. That's good. Let's talk about kind of just calendar for a second. Like, how yep. does so we because our, our our past couple of couple episodes we talked about Advent, we talked about how that kind of fits into Christmas, and then or how kind of Christmas kind of rolls out of that. Mm-hmm. Then we talked about Epiphany in the last episode. And so kind of right now we're in this, we're still in the season of epiphany. Yeah. So what happens coming, coming into this? How does kind of, is there a date on the calendar? We kind of look at and we say, Hey, this epiphany ends and Lent is beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely get a start date before we dive into like the specifics of that. We'll just talk broad theme of like how the next chapter of it makes sense. Like we start with the preparation of Advent then we get into Christmas. We're anticipating the kingdom. The kingdom is ushered in. It's here now. And then we get Epiphany, which is the growth and development of Jesus, but also his revelation of identity and power and majesty to those around him, which is our calling to go be, and we talked about all this in the last episode, that's our calling to go be that same Epiphany for people in the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like we can go and reveal the kingdom because the kingdom is acting in us and through us. And then we get Lent, which is the, okay, now that we've been epiphifying for a few weeks, let's take a minute and examine how, how we're doing. Let's have a little check-in for six weeks of what are we doing that is good epiphany? What are we doing that is bad epiphany? Um, what are we doing that is actually running contrary to the kingdom? And the day that that shifts is what's known as Ash Wednesday. And it, it, it moves around every year. Uh, we, we've talked about that before. Easter is a movable feast. Like it's not always like April the 6th or whatever. Like it, it moves and it bounces. So wherever Easter lands, you back up 40 days, not counting Sundays. And we can talk about why here in a second. And so what that does is that lands you on a Wednesday. I was reviewing some of my textbooks for this. There's a lot that went into that and a lot of a lot of other words that are maybe not necessary for this exact conversation, but that Wednesday got wrapped up with some other practices of penance and things and confession and all that kind of molded together to make Ash Wednesday, um, which is a day in which ashes are involved. Traditionally, you burn the palm branches from the previous year's Palm Sunday, which stay tuned in a, for the next episode after this. And we'll talk about yeah. Palm Sunday when we talk about Holy Week and Easter. But uh, literally have what's known as the imposition of the ashes, where the priest or the minister will take a little oil, take a little palm ash, and either on your forehead or on the back of your hand, impose the sign of the cross. They'll draw a little cross on you. And the, the, the line you hear the most often is, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Oftentimes you can then hear it paired with like, repent and be faithful to the gospel, mm. which that second part of the line I think is really important because just remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. Sounds so much like spend the next 40 days thinking about how you will die. Yeah. Okay. Well now we're airing maybe on the length as <laughs> just like the worst. Right. Um, but if you pair it with repent and be faithful to the gospel, that's then the reminder and the turn of like, remember that you are dust and dust you shall return. Remember you will die. Remember like your time is limited. You are fleeting all those things. And so use your time wisely. Yeah. 
be the best you can be. Repent and be faithful. Like find those places where you fall short, pick <laughs> yourself up and like do your best not to do that again. So yeah, so that that's where Lent starts. Starts on a Wednesday and runs all the way through what's known as Holy Saturday, which is the day before Easter. Yeah. And again, I've said it a billion times already, it doesn't count Sundays, which is a weird quirk of the season. Trivia time. Do you know why or can you guess why Sundays don't count? Uh, I have I actually have no idea. I don't know how to answer this, but okay. uh, I'll take a stab at it. Um, and that uh, my guess, my guess would be something to do with that. If Sunday uh, as a Sabbath um, is to be the Lord's day, I, that's just my kind of my guess on it. So you're, you're, you're technically getting- you're already in church. It's a Sabbath day. It's a day to, to already reflect, you know, maybe it's built in. It's a built in day of rest. I, I don't know. You're, you're getting there. What do we do on the Lord's day? as a church well i mean we gather we gather and worship yeah and historically what has the gathered worshiping church always done think like pre-reformation and even post-reformation for a lot of people like what was the central act in worship communion communion yeah which is a feast yeah okay and so you gotta run yeah. so you uh, gotta we're fasting yeah. But then like what, six times we're going to feast. And so there was an exception made there of the Sundays don't count because we're taking the feast of the Lord's supper of, yeah. of communion. And again, I'm sure I've got, I'd like to think I have a professor listening to this. Maybe they do. Maybe <laughs> they don't. Uh, but there's some frustrated liturgical scholar on a mountain in Tennessee somewhere going like Taylor, that's not it, but yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure that's, that's not correct. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, if it's not, I please send me an email. Dr. Yeah. or Dr. King or Dr. <laughs> Alexander. But th- that that's my understanding is that like that the feast of the Lord's Supper conflicted with the fasting of Lent. And so of those two, like the Eucharist one, like mm-hmm. hands down. Okay, well, we're going to feast. We're yeah. going to do that feasting on Sunday. And what that has now trickled down to is Sundays don't count. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, if you're looking at a pre pre Reformation, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, and now, kind of coming out of that, though, where you move into particularly like the Protestant Church, where you may or may not have communion every week. Well, uh, I do think and like for remember, me, there are me, several Protestant denominations that that is still the central that, act. That's a, that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is true. Um, you know, the way I grew up, we do. Uh, well, let's say when I grew up, we did it about. Once every three months, yeah, quarterly. You know, about quarterly, yeah, yeah, and it might be more than that, but most often it's you know four or five, six times a year, maybe. Well, and um, I, and I think the the traditions that were birthed out of that like second wave Protestantism, that radical Reformation, which Baptists and non denoms that feel Baptist are in that <laughs> right in, in that vein, we just don't do it very often. As a sacramental Baptist who wants to take it every week, I've written a bajillion papers on why I think that's important. Yeah. But I, I also just acknowledge that like that the idea of that is very foreign to us. That like because of the Lord's Supper, we can feast on Sundays. Like it that, that, that is just that that's not our traditional vein of 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 thinking. Right. Um, but 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 that's where it came from. So now yeah. Sundays don't yeah. count. So if you need that soda fix, 
Well, hey man, go after it, right? Sunday's your day. <laughs> yeah, rest in the Lord with a Route 44 in your hand. Um, but yeah, so that's that's where Lent originates, and then it kind of culminates in Holy Week. But we decided to roll Holy Week into the next episode because, in my mind, it's really the middle of a Venn diagram of Lent and Easter because it's both the end of Lent but also the Passion narrative which is so central to Easter morning that it really feels like it is the moment in a relay race where the baton is handed off and they're both touching it. Right. Like you can't say that it's one or the other. And so we're going to talk about it with Easter. Yeah. It just kind of felt, yeah, it felt like we had so much to talk about between Lent and Holy Week and Easter yeah, that was going to be too much. It seemed like it was just too much to throw into one thing. So I've well, been kind of take them season at a time. Especially as people who, again, Holy Week isn't necessarily a Baptist tradition. Mm. a lot of Baptist churches that don't do Holy Week, much less a full Holy Week of like Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, uh, Holy Saturday. Right. Like I have used the word triduum before, which is <laughs> Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. And I think people their first response is to say like, Oh, bless you. Yeah. Because it sounds more like a sneeze than a church word. So what'd you uh, just call me? <laughs> yeah. So, th- so there's a lot of, and all those services are very different. So there's a lot right, yeah. and all that. So we'll, we'll, we'll save it, but yeah. But yeah. So Lent starts with Ash Wednesday runs for 40 days, not counting Sundays leads us straight to Easter. Despite being the season of like confession and repentance, it is still a very hopeful season, which we've touched on because without that hope, it all it is is wallowing in your own self-pity. Right. And hope to me is, and again, we've talked about this before, is so central and so core to the entire narrative of God's work in the world, which is what the whole, all these seasons are about anyway. So if we ever lose sight of that, then we very much lose the plot of the liturgical year. Yeah. And that's when, like we said before, it just becomes a color change. But I remember my very first introduction to Ash Wednesday as a thing when I was in Lubbock. I So th- this would have had to have been spring of 2000 or winter spring of 2008. So it was my first year in Lubbock. I was at St. Paul's already, but I didn't know much about like the liturgical year, liturgy in general, or church holy days beyond Christmas and Easter. And it also happened to coincide, I'm 99% sure, with an NFL Players Association negotiation day. And so on a lot of TVs around, like, there, it's live shots of the building in New York where they're all going to go do their negotiations and all these players, and all these lawyers keep walking in, they're on TV, and they all have dirty faces. They all ha- like so many of them have these smudges on their forehead. And I remember looking around like, what? Yeah. What's going on here? But it, and then I show up to school and some of my classmates have dirty faces. And one, I think this speaks to just how evangelical East Texas is where like there was literally like one Episcopal church, one Lutheran church, one Methodist church, which was a pretty contemporary ish. Like, it's not a real hard line, like liturgical Methodist church or wouldn't at the time. It's one Catholic church, Episcopal church. Like, so 
the group of people that would have been doing Ash Wednesday through my life and childhood, very small, very small. <laughs> so this is my first shot at it. I was like, why is everyone's face dirty? Covered. What has happened? And apparently whatever priests they were going to were not good at drawing crosses. So it just looked like smudge. Yeah, just a smudge. Yeah, just a big old smudge. I was so confused all day long <laughs> until we go to like, until I basically go to work. I go to sing at St. Paul's because that's what I'm paid to do. <laughs> and we do Ash Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, this is why everybody's face was dirty. <laughs> What's happening? And that that was really, I think, what opened it up for me of like digging into like, okay, I knew it was different, but now I get that it's different, different. Like, yeah. like we took communion growing up, but we did it a different way and they do it all the, every week. And so that's kind of different. Their music's a little different. Like, okay. This is a whole thing that I didn't know about. And I was real churchy growing up. Like I was super involved. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Here's an entire day, an entire event with like face paint. And like, like it, <laughs> it, it goes hard. Like what is happening? And that was really where the liturgical door like creaked open for me uh, is like, okay, so we're doing this and then we're going to do some other, like we can't sing the hallelujah <laughs> anymore in church. Why? Oh, we just don't do that in Lent? Lent. And then it's the like, why do they want the stuff in my pockets? Like, just so confused. Like, it was such a year or two of growth for me in Lubbock to really realize that, like, there's so much more out there than I realized. Yeah. Um, and then it took, kind of like you, like, then it took seminary to kind of put the pieces together. Um, I remember really liking what happened in Lubbock. I loved that church. I loved what our worship was. And I really like taking communion every week, but I didn't know why. And then I, I remember, this is such a nerd story. Good Lord. I remember tearing up while I wrote my first ethics paper because it all fell into place. Like all the stars aligned, all the pieces finally coalesced of like, oh, that's why I loved this so much. Because it turns out it means everything to me. Yeah, I get it now. And I remember being across from my friend Lanta in the library and she looks up and does this weird double take. Like, Are you okay? Yeah, it's fine. It's just going to be a good paper. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I had a moment in the library writing a paper because that's what happens when you end up getting four degrees. You, you just love school so much, but yeah, no, that all this. And so that's part of why like, I'd love all this stuff enough to like do a podcast about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> that's kind of the theory of it all. Then we have to actually do it. Yeah. So planning Lent is always interesting because it, it does kind of take on a sad feel. Like Lent mm. is kind of known as the sad season. Yeah. A lot of the songs are in minor keys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It just sounds a little sad. Sounds a little somber there is the inevitable march towards death because Lent, Lent especially like really truly culminates good Friday, like Easter. Yes. Like Easter is the brand new thing, but the final event of Lent is good Friday, which is the death of Jesus. And so, you know, we're going there. Uh, one of the things Trinity has done a lot, which I really, really enjoy. And I'm not sure if we'll be able to do it this year is we instead of lighting candles, we extinguish a candle every week as we right. move yeah. closer and closer. But what we've often done is have connected to that a little monologue or a little skit or something of someone who engaged with Jesus 
on that journey and what their perspective of it and him was. And that has actually been like a really powerful thing that we have done. I mean, we've done that for years now. Uh, it's changed a little bit here and there, but for the most part, we've, we've done that. And uh, I know we're talking about Holy Week another time, but the one that I will never forget is it was Good Friday. It's the, when we extinguished the last candle before now we move to the seven last words of Christ on the cross and we're extinguishing the actual life of Christ mm. with those. And the skit was Mary, mother of Jesus. And the woman who did it uh, uh, crushed it. Like she was amazing. And the first line of her sketch was, they killed my son today. Uh, I just got to chill remembering that this happened. Um, Man. And it wrecked everybody. And immediately following that, I had to get my choir to sing, Oh, Sacred Head Now Wounded. And there was yeah. no there was there was no transition like it went from yeah. that to the choir and so as soon as she finished, I stood the choir and I look at every I look at the alto started off and I look at them and they're all <laughs> like wiping tears from their eyes they're all just weeping because uh, most of them yeah. are mothers. most of my altos are mothers and this friend of theirs in an already emotionally charged service just talked about how they killed their son. Mm. And so they're all just like, they're done. Yeah. They're gone. And I have to give a downbeat. Like, I don't know if any sound is going to come out of these people. Uh, and it, it ended up being one of the most beautiful musical moments we've had. But that's such a good example of why Lent is the sad season. Like, yeah. it can get so heavy. Um, it's a lot of penance. It's a lot of mercy. It's a lot of... It's a lot of fire imagery. Uh, one of yeah. my favorites is Burning Me Fire of God. Great, great tune, great little hymn. But it, it, it's a lot of like, burn me up till I'm better. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, okay, okay. Welcome to All right, yeah, you got it. yeah, Yeah, here we are. Um, when the whole kickoff service, you look at everybody and say, remember, you're going to die. Yeah. Uh, like, remember, you are dust <laughs> and the dust you shall return. The first time I did that at Peachtree, my church in Atlanta, I went back to back. I imposed ashes on like a 12 year old girl. Mm. Like Maya, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. This girl in like the prime of her childhood, living her best life. Like, remember you're going to die. Yeah. Remember that this right now will end immediately followed by a woman who was in her nineties. Mm. And to then have to turn around and look at her who's lived a long, full life, but her health isn't great at this point. She moves a lot slower, talks a little slower, <laughs> And I have to put ashes on her face and tell her, remember you are dust. And to dust you like, remember you're going to die. Yeah. And if for you, like, you know, a lot of your friends have already died. Your yeah. husband is already passed. Like death isn't the far off thing. Death is sitting next to you. Like, yeah. man, that I, I remember going back to my office after that service. And I just kind of cried a little. Mm. I was 26 years old, like just wrecked me. <laughs> but yeah, so Lent gets to be a little sad. Uh, I think I said before, traditionally, you don't sing Alleluia. Hmm. You save that for Easter. Like, yeah, you, the, the traditional language is you bury it. You bury hmm. the Alleluia. It will rise again with Christ in 40 days. Wow. Like right now, like it's not what we're doing now. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of what else we do. Was anything big? 
we do a whole we do a full holy week which which, which we'll, we'll talk about next time everything gets purple we change it all out and, and our banners uh were made by a woman in our church who's just remarkably talented mm. it's these vertical purple stripes and like a curve of thorns on the inmost stripe like mm. even the banners from the beginning remind you what's coming yeah which again is hopeful but also very somber because yeah. i mean we'll talk about this with easter there's a reason we call it good friday and not horrific friday like <laughs> because you get something else you get a cool <laughs> surprise two days later three days right, later. Right. so it's an interesting season what do y'all do or have yeah, you so, even been there long enough to do one yet when yeah so last yeah so i came uh i came here where i am now uh last january that's right so yeah. we we had <laughs> but but we were in Linton in Linton season last year, stark front end of COVID. And so that was locked down. We're all, you know, and so we, we didn't really do anything okay. uh, uh, and really gear anything towards that. We were, um, we were in a, we were in a series on acts and we were, we were preaching through the book of acts at that point. And so we were, we were just finishing, you know, we we're finishing what we did, what we'd started. Um, I, I don't know, I haven't been here long enough to know if we, if we do a Lenten focus, um, or if it's just kind of an unspoken, Hey, we're in the time of Lent. Here's what this means. Mm-hmm. My previous church, uh, in Huntsville was, we did follow that, that liturgical calendar, yeah. um, pretty, pretty closely. And, but it wasn't, you know, even, even in the, in the modern, you know, contemporary for lack of a better term uh service that that i led we we still threw hints we still threw things out there that that made that kept that kind of in the forefront of people's minds that we're in this season and we may not recognize it as you know say as some other churches do or we may not we may not we may not celebrate it as deeply but we want it we want we want it to be forefront in your mind um, and, and so we would do things that we would do readings or we would do certain songs or specials that would kind of keep, keep those out in the forefront for people. And most likely I'll probably do the same thing here. Even if, even if our schedule doesn't necessarily, or the sermon schedule doesn't necessarily fit with the Lenten season, I will still probably most likely make, make mention of it and just kind of talk about it, um, from week to week. Um, just to, just to throw it out there and help people understand that this is a journey, right? Mm -hmm. We're on this journey and, um, we've been on this journey since Advent and, and we're still, we're still on this journey to just to help, just to help, as we've talked about before, just kind of help people connect the dots. Yeah. Right. Cause I think, I think when you can connect the dots, it, it's much more meaningful for people. People can engage with that. People can connect to that. People relate to that. So it's uh, it, for me, it's just fun to help people connect the dots and sit yeah. back and kind of watch it, and watch their faces. To, you know? Yeah, it's easy to see what it all means on Ash Wednesday or on Easter or on right. Christmas. But right. then when you're in like the third Sunday in Lent, well, okay, it, it's, yeah, been, yeah. it's been a hot minute now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah something to, to keep it in the forefront makes all the difference. Exactly. I've found that it's easy to do that with, uh, for me, with special musics. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially once we're in these seasons that rotate more more often and have more defined themes, mm. it's easy to plan ahead too. I just today even was talking to one of our youth. We'll do a, a youth Sunday in March. I mean, we're weeks yeah. away from that. 
and we went ahead and lined out what the special music will be because it's Lent. And I can, I know I can tell yeah. her like, Hey, like it's Lent, pick a Lenten-y kind of song. We'll work towards something like that. And so yeah. the hymnody will touch on Lent, but it'll also engage in the sermon. And if the sermon is not all that Lenty, which it certainly doesn't have to be, then I still have this dip over here with a special music. And I will say my pianist and my organist are amazing at engaging that with me. And so my organist will pull a nice, even, even just something in a minor key, even if it's yeah. something a bit more classical and not even directly a, like a sacred piece, it's in minor. And just because minor is sad, quote unquote, that minor key offertory feels Linton. And so we get an easy dip there without even really having to work very hard. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, you mentioned like minor, like songs of minor key and, how Lent has this, has a sad, it does have this sad side to it. And I think because you have that, when you, anytime you're focusing on repentance, you're talking, you're focusing in on uh, that reflective. Yeah. Um, let me stop. Let me pause. Let me reflect. Let me repent if I need to. There is a, there is a somber uh, mode to that. Anyway, I, I, where I was going with this was I was listening to the songs where, um, Currently, we're in a series in my church in Hosea, and um, it has been, man, it, Hosea, if you've ever, if you've read it recently, but it's, it's all about God. It's, it's all about, it's all about God's love, but God's love as it relates to his wrath, right? It's yeah. all about God's love, but how it relates to, you have this, these people of Israel who have just sinned horribly and have tried to. You know, they're worshiping other gods. They're doing these things, but God, God is saying, look, I love you and I want you to be my people, but I'm going to, I'm going to have to break you. I'm going to have to tear you down so that I can rebuild you. And, and so it's, it's this, this overwhelming, well, anyway, you get, you kind of get in the middle of the book and uh, you see all these things that God is going to do. God is saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, but it's because I love you. And it's because of my great love. And at the end of it, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you back into my fold. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to wrap my arms back around you and bring you back and call you my people again. And so as I'm looking for songs, you get to the end in chapter 14 and basically it's this, it's this come, let us return to the Lord, mm. you know, like passage. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I was looking at songs, like how can we, how can we package that? Come, let us return to the Lord type songs. And I stumbled across this old song from a guy named Matt Redman. Maybe you know him. You've heard of him. I'm sure. But this old song from Matt Merriman called Come Let Us Return to the Lord. And what struck me in it is there's a line in it that says, Come, let us return to the Lord. Let us sit in ash and let us tear our clothes and let us sing songs in minor key. Like he uses that line. Yeah. And I was like, I just as you were talking, I was like, Hey, I remember that's he's got a line in there. Let us sing songs. And I was like, How cool is that? That that, you know, that kind of that plays real well into what we're talking about. I mean, it just, it's perfect, man. Yeah. God bless music, cognition and perception. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, the big thing that's been hanging over my head as we head into Lent this year is how do you do Ash Wednesday in a pandemic? Oh man. Uh, yeah. A service that requires like, you got touching. Yeah, yeah, you got to be you right up be in this front close. of somebody, and then you have to touch their face or touch their hand. Yeah, and so I don't have a good answer yet. 
I've got ideas. Man. And I've been reaching out to some colleagues and saying, like, what are y'all doing to see if my ideas are insane or if my ideas actually work? But I think it is an opportunity, though, to take the sentiment and the what the ashes are pointing towards, mm-hmm. that confession, that repentance, without having to touch faces. Mm. And even not necessarily needing ash. Right. And this is where I think as a Baptist who very much values ritual action and tangible sacramentality and sacramental grace and like all of these things that are arguably not Baptist, or at least not historically Baptist. I still think I'm a Baptist. I want to make that very <laughs> yeah. um, is that like, we're not tied to the ashes as a necessary symbol. They are simply the means for a sacramental end. Mm. Um, and so we, if we don't have Ash Wednesday with ashes, we can still have Ash Wednesday yeah. as Ash Wednesday. Still with the name, like we don't need yeah. to do the name, yeah. but we can have it be a reflective contemplative service of prayer and confession and hope without having to actually impose ashes. We can take the language. We can even take the gesture. And as I'm saying that, I know I actually just yeah, so with, with my thumb made the sign of the cross over my zoom window. And so Jeremy saw it. I imagine I just went over a lot of his screen with with my thumb um and so the motion is there the sentiment is there the sacrament the grace is still there even if we don't engage the ash and i know that a lot of my colleagues are probably screaming like ash wednesday is not a sacrament what are you talking about (laughs) but i think there is something to be said for that tangibleness as being something sacramental and losing that does not undo the service and does not lessen the reception and reciprocity of grace that happens in that moment. Hmm. So that's really what's funny is the song that I keep thinking of as I'm doing all this is heart of worship. Mm. Like I'm coming back to the heart of worship <laughs> by like, Matt Redman. Oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. That's awesome. All right. Full circle, everybody. <laughs> but like, even as the person who loves ritual, who loves liturgy, who loves all these things, COVID is the opportunity to get back to um, the heart of these things, the the core, the crux, the the true vector of what they're all doing without feeling beholden to literally just a pot of ashes. I don't know how well that's going to pan out, but that's how I'm trying to think about it. And you know what? When we do our next episode, Ash Wednesday will have happened already, so I might do a debrief of, um, of how that went. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm very curious. I've been doing, as the nerd I am, a lot of thinking about this. Maybe even more than I should have, but more than is necessary. But I've been thinking and fooling with all this a whole bunch. Yeah. We don't do, uh, we don't do Ash Wednesday here. Not a service. We won't do a service, at least, where I am now. So I hadn't even thought about that. But that, I mean, dude, you bring in a great, a great question um, in regards to we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know? Yeah, um, because unless the vaccines roll out really quick, this same question will apply to Palm Sunday. It'll apply to Monday, Thursday. It'll apply to Good right. Friday. It will yeah. apply to Easter. Yeah. And so, if I can establish in my own ministry and my own brain and my own processes now a way to adapt the core of a service without its corresponding ritual actions, which are very, very important to me, and I love them dearly. But without them, it's yeah. an opportunity, not a loss, 
not a challenge, but an opportunity. I mean, it, there is a loss and there is a challenge, but I'm trying to see it as something hopefully good uh, as an opportunity. Yeah. You really drive home. What is Ash Wednesday's purpose? <laughs> what is Palm Sunday's purpose? And so how can we engage that even without being able to impose ashes? Yeah. Yeah. And even giving a nod to, we wish we could do the thing we always do, but here's what we can do with what it does to us. Mm -hmm. And we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, it, it, it's, it's a symbol, right? I mean, Yes, it's an act where you know you're 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 putting ashes on your head. That's an act, but it's also symbolic. Yeah. And as with anything symbolic, you can always represent that in other ways. Um, yes. And, as long and, as the and you new can way. find meaning in that symbolism somewhere else. As long as it's still faithful to the original, without trying to like. Use sure. Yeah. 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 I. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to say, hey, let's. You know. And I don't. I don't, I don't think you were. I just want to make sure, like, for anybody listening. Like the goal isn't to now kick ashes out of what we do forever, but to right. see this one year, hopefully one year as an opportunity right, to right, do something right. different and not just try to like square peg in a round hole. Like, well, how can we do ashes? We have to do ashes. If we don't do ashes, we don't do ashes. Right. Like, no, it's we not Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday yeah. without ashes. Yeah. Because Ash Wednesday isn't just ashes. Ash Wednesday is confession and absolution and repentance and commitment and grace and hope. Like that's Ash Wednesday. Yeah. The ashes are just a great representation yeah. of that. But we can be faithful to the idea of ashes without actually touching faces in a pandemic. Yeah. I'm yeah. off my rant now. Thank you. It's good, good. <laughs> and scene. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, man. I uh, here's what I found as we've started talking about all this. Um, personally, I've found like I'm walking into this with a few notes, going, "Oh yeah." So maybe we have a little to talk about, and we get to the end, and I'm like, "Dude, we unpacked that like more than I ever intended, and it was so good. Like it's just <laughs> it's good to talk about, you know." And not I really. Uh, I don't know. Maybe for me at least, I found more things that are just so good. They're just so good and interesting to me that um, as we unpack them, that they're so, man, it's good. Good to talk about. So. Always. I'll be curious in a year or two when we All start right. ideas, how um, we talk about it in new ways. Cause like Lent is still Lent. Yeah. We talk about now or we talk about in 2022, 2025, whatever. Uh, here's hoping Barry Levi is still rolling in yeah. 2025. Um, yeah, that's right. How does our understanding of it change as we grow and mature as followers of Christ and as yeah. the gospel? Like, I'll, I'll be curious to see how that pans out. That's cool, man. All right. Well, good discussion today. You got anything else you want to add? I'm good. I think I used all my words. Yeah. You got all your, <laughs> yeah, I'm out of words. Went through all your notes today. Yeah. You got my whole page oh, of the notes. So, uh, as we uh, as we're looking ahead, we've already told you kind of where we're going next uh, for the next episode. We're going to be talking about Holy Week and uh, for and and Easter, kind of rolling those two together be because they roll together. Uh, so that's how we're going to go with that. Well, lots to talk about in that, lots to unpack as well. Um, but also, as Taylor said, just kind of how how Lent kind of 
rolls us into that time, um, into that passion story, um, that we all get to experience. We all get to plan. We all get to, to, uh, to find the best ways to, to, uh, experience that together with our, with our own congregations. So, um, hopefully you're thinking in those terms and we will be too. So that's all coming down the pike and, uh, in just, uh, just a little while. So, uh, anyway, great time today. As always, thanks for joining us. And uh, you can reach us if you need to with comments, with questions, with stories, with thoughts at uh, Bearded Levites Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, connect with us on Facebook, The Bearded Levites Podcast, and also on Instagram uh, with the same thing, The Bearded Levites Podcast. Follow us there and uh, check us out. Tell all your friends about us too. Uh, I actually heard a cool story this week or a couple weeks ago of our podcast popping up as a Spotify recommendation for somebody. Nice. Yeah. Rock and roll. It's out there. We have people listening that are not just our friends and family. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. One other thought here uh, on Spotify, if you're listening to Spotify or uh, even Apple, um, Apple Music or podcasts on Apple, whatever they're called now. As you're listening to these things, leave us a review. Like the review, like it, leave us a review. Yeah, rating. Because um, that helps. Yeah, rating, rating and reviews right. help. Whether whether they're whether they're good or bad, they help us out. They help us know, help us guide. I mean, uh, let's not open the door for just all the bad reviews. Well, <laughs> we would like it personally, as a human being, I would like it to be a good review. Um, if you have mean things to say. Maybe email us if you have <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe. Um, I feel good about that. Sorry, maybe I, maybe, sorry, that cracked me up. Maybe I, that, I misspeak. How about that? It's just a misspeak. You know, we'll just say, leave us a review. How about that? Just leave us a review, whatever you think. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. That's always helpful. So, uh, all right. So I think that'll about close us out today. Uh, Thanks for listening. And uh, as always, be blessed. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.